Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello and welcome back to the show. It's so good to be with you today. Wherever you're listening to this, wherever you're hanging out, I hope that you are well. I hope that you're doing fun things. I hope that there's, you know, some wine in your fridge or you've got gin in your cupboard or something like that because I think it's important to always just be ready to celebrate something. So I always like to have champagne in my fridge. I've learned that it's important to always have a reason to celebrate even if it's on a Tuesday or a Thursday or any day. Um, It's really good to always have that ready. Anyway, that's a business tip from me to you. That's for free. Now, (laughs) I hope that you are well. I'm really looking forward to today's episode. We are joined by Becca Stern of Mustard Made. Now, if you don't know Mustard Made, you are going to love their brand. Mustard Made do beautiful boutique lockers. And it's a brand that is run out of Australia, right here in Newcastle, and also in the UK as well. And it's run by two sisters, Jess and Becca. And these sisters live on opposite sides of the world and run their business. And I'm so excited to be joined by Becca to talk about how she started Mustard Made, how she goes working with her sister, Jess, how they've navigated COVID in all of the manufacturing things that have gone on because they manufacture out of China. So this is going to be a really great episode. Becca is a fabulous, wonderful woman. She is full of helpful, practical advice. Also, side note, she had a baby in COVID and she is just rocking the mum thing and the balancing of running a business and also trying to keep everything moving. So she is she is honestly like a power lady, a power lady. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking of a power suit, but she is such a boss. So I'm really looking forward to today's episode. You're going to love it. And also, I'm really glad because Becca is one of our first e-commerce interviews that we're doing. So we're talking about online store, how she's used Instagram to build her business, all of those things, shipping your products, all of these things, Becca and Jess are absolute pros at. So we're going to talk about those things and some of the logistics of running an online store. Also, stick around to the end because we have a giveaway, our first ever giveaway on the podcast, and it is good. It's in collaboration with Mustard Made, so make sure you stick around to the end to hear about how you can get your hands on cool freebie things. So stick around to the end. You're going to love this interview. Let's dive straight in to my conversation with Becca Stern of Mustard Made. Becca, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. We're currently sitting in my little kitchen <laughs> kitchen and living area in my apartment. So thank you for coming to my house to record this. My it's, pleasure. It's so good to have you. And I just met Otis and he is the cutest. <laughs> I can't believe you have an eight-week-old and you're still doing all of your business things and you're crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> so... Becca, it's so good to have you with us. And I wanted to chat today about Mustard Made and how you've built this incredible business. And, you know, I know that you've got so many wise, practical things to share with us about setting up your business and all of those things. But before we dive into all of that, 
tell us about Mustard Made. How did you start? How does it all work? You know, tell us about Jess and, you know, how your sister kind of works into it all. I'd love to hear all the things. Yes. So we started the business um, about two and a half years ago now. And the idea came to me after I had my second son, Ellis. So I had a previous business before, which was very handmade and very physically intensive. And once he was born, I decided that I couldn't be kind of working in a sweatshop for the rest of my life, making jewelry and things like that. So I thought, I'm just going to give myself a year take it easy, see what happens. And I'm sure that something is going to come along next. I didn't know what it would be, but I was just willing to give myself a year. Within a month, Jess, my sister, was over from England and we came up with this idea. So a month later, I was already planning my next business and spent the the rest of Ellis's first year developing the idea, the products, figuring out where do you manufacture lockers, who could make them, how do you transport them, how do you how do you deal with shipping large products across the country, you know, all of these things and and building the kind of visuals of the brand as well. And then we launched at a trade show in Sydney just about when Ellis turned 1. So yeah, it was a it was a very cool year for me personally I got to got to really work I I was working really hard but also with no deadlines which I really enjoyed just building this concept um with Jess and Jess lives over in London so I'm here in Newcastle in Australia and she's over there I've been here for about nine years now and I love her to bits and I really really missed her so Working together was always a bit of a dream of ours, but we weren't quite sure how that was ever going to happen considering we live on opposite sides of the world. So yeah, once we kind of had this idea, she first at first was like, that's crazy, no one's going to want lockers. And I kind of said, just, just give me some time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some research. And within a few months, she was fully on board, but she was working full-time as a fashion buyer in, in a large company in, in England. So yeah, it took, took until we'd launched here then a couple of months later, she quit her job and then we launched in the UK. So we operate on two sides of the world, selling colourful lockers for your home, for your kids and for your workspace now. That's amazing. And so where did the locker thing come from? Like what was your, like did you see that there was a gap in the market or did you just have a love for lockers? Like where did that actually yeah, it come sound, from? Yeah, it sounds kind of weird, but I really did just have a thing for lockers. <laughs> So in my home, I had, um, I still have a beautiful rusty old thing that I found on the side of the road and um, a pink kind of more retro American style locker. And then I had a bunch of them in my uh, work studio as well. And I just, I love the way that metal ages gracefully. You know, it's something about, about the way that it shows its history and, you know, patch of rust and that's all good. It, it's part of its story. So I've always been really drawn to vintage things and and metal in particular. It it sounds weird when you say that out loud, but, but I <laughs> no, did just I love, love lockers. And but the ones that I had, as much as I loved them inside, they were really impractical or they didn't lock properly. The yeah. keys had long long since been lost, and the doors didn't close. And they're usually kind of designed to throw a coat in and a bag, but. I needed them for kind of maximum storage. So I'd always kind of pimp them out and put shelves in them and kind of figure out how I could get get more storage in there. 
So, so, that was, so cool. Yeah, where the idea came from. And so now how many lockers do you have in your range now? So we have uh, the shorty, the skinny, the midi and the low down. I and love it. The shorty comes opening both ways. So in total, we have five different types of lockers and so cool. nine colors to date and one more coming next year. Yes. And honestly, like following you on Instagram, all of your colors are just perfect. Like I, every single color, I, I look on your website and I'm like, I actually, all of these, I want all of these. They're so good. So how do you, how do you pick that? Like, do you design them? How does that, that kind of process work? Really, it just started with what I would want. For me, it was olive green and um, mustard, of course. And the blush was was a natural kind of fit for that trio. We almost started with just those three, actually. And then we thought, well, we better add a white in. And then we thought, well, we better add a, a more neutral. So we added the slate. Yeah, I, th- I guess it's quite instinctive what what we think. What we, When we started, it was quite instinctive. Now it's a bit more like, what's the gap in our rainbow? Yeah, So great. we've just added sage. So that light green works really well with the other greens as well as with the pinks. So it's really about building a, a collection of colors that interchange and work work really well together now. Amazing. And so when you started Mustard Made, at what point did you realize, oh, this isn't just a hobby. This is actually going to be a viable business. And like, this is like, I could quit my job kind of situation. Really, it was designed that way from the start. So having had a very small handmade business, I just always knew that it wasn't scalable. And in order to scale it, I would have to take away the very essence of it, that it was handmade and everything was personalized. So when I kind of came up with this idea, I really, really spent that year thinking through, how is this business going to be bigger than me? How is it going to be a business that I can take a holiday from and it's still going to operate without me, which was something that I never had before. So it was always designed to be a full-time job. It was always designed to be something scalable. And for Jess quitting her job, because she she did have a job at the time, I didn't. Um, it was really before launching, we knew it was going to take every minute of, of the day already. So yeah, from from the get-go, it was, it was a, always destined to be something full-time. I love that. That's, that's so, so cool. And I love what you said about it actually needing to be scalable. And that's such a difference from doing this handmade, beautiful process, like very creative Mm. process to then going, actually, no, this needs to support me and not just me, but your family. Like you, you were a mum at that point as well. Right. So crazy. And I, I just felt like with, with my previous business, I was just working nonstop you know, because I was the person making it, it's really hard to be the person selling it as well. And as much as I loved the creativity of what I did, when you've made the same thing a thousand times, 10,000 times, it really ceases to be that creative anymore. So what I suppose I realized about myself was that the creative part was was conjuring up these ideas. It was, it was the ideation rather than the actual physical making. So yeah, with mustard, it was kind of how, how do I put myself in a job where I get to come up with cool things and bring them into, bring them to life, which is what I'm probably best at rather than being sort of stuck behind a hammer and yeah, hammering things all day. Yeah. I love that. So the creativity for you is in the process and in actually coming up with the ideas and it's not as much about the physical, tangible creation. Which makes, which makes our business scalable because we're not the ones having to do everything. Yeah. I love that. And so 
talk to me about how you work with Jess. So Jess is in the UK, you're here in Australia. How how do you guys communicate? What What's her role? What's your role? How does that work in, in your business? It's really glamorous. Um, <laughs> usually starts a, with a rollover in bed and I'll probably FaceTime her you know, in my pajamas and feeding Otis and grabbing Weetabix for the kids. And sorry, in, in England, we, we call them Weetabix. <laughs> I was just about just, to say, do you call them Weetabix? Yes. I love that you call it's them Weetabix. And here it's just Weetabix. Very I brief. was honestly about to say, uh, Becca, you said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we actually just recently Googled it and they did start in Australia. So oh. you do say it right and English people say it English wrong. English people, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> So it's normally me starting starting with you know grabbing grabbing the kids breakfast and it's it's always a bit of a um, juggle in the morning but just checking in with Jess to see how her day goes and then vice versa in the evening so we we pretty much talk twice a day at weekends we're kind of like leave me alone it's it's the weekend um, <laughs> when we can we try not try not to talk so much at the weekend uh, but. Jess does most of the production side of things. So she's the one that liaises with our factory the most. She's probably talking to them, you know, messages throughout the day, every day. So that that's yeah. a really big part of her job. And then the freight side of things. So getting our products from our factory in China to our warehouse in the UK and in Australia. So we have two warehouses. And um, so, so that's yeah, kind of the, the main part that she does different to me and then managing her team and I manage my team here. And I do more of the sort of branding and marketing side of things. Really, I always say it's anything that the, our customers would touch and feel and, yeah, have, have contact with from yeah. the outside that falls into my, my role. Amazing. And when you did that, was that a natural distribution of those roles or did that take time to flesh it out? And I mean, we were talking before we started recording and I've got three sisters and a younger brother. So I know what it's like, you know, the the relationship with siblings, you know, it's robust and beautiful and fun and crazy, but you do kind of call it how it is as well. So how, how do you go working together when you're family and, you know, as siblings. It's really lucky we love each other so much. <laughs> um, I really, really enjoy it. I think you can just cut to the chase. You can say it like it is, like you said, you know, I know her inside and out. I know what she's good at and I can tell her what she's not good at. And and it's okay. You know, I can treat her differently to how I would treat somebody that you're just working alongside. I'd say probably one of the challenges is sometimes putting that um, colleague relationship back in place and saying, actually, no, Jess, you know, we're still colleagues and we still need to respect some, some distance when we're at work or, you know, trying to sort of pseudo kind of manufacture that sense of, of being colleagues as opposed to sister does help a little bit just to keep some professional yeah. distance. <laughs> but I'd say that that's something we're definitely working on, but yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed working with her and that honesty and just the fast paced way that you can build together because you know what each other can and can't do. You know each other inside and out. Um, so yeah, that, that's been a real joy, I think, for me. And we always say that as much as our business is about lockers, really, it was just a good way for us to hang out more. And that, that's it. completely what it's been. Like we've seen each other at least a couple of times every year since we started this. Apart from 2020, we haven't. Oh my gosh, I yes. managed to sneak in her coming over in February just before all the lockdown. So we did see each other once. Um, 
yeah wow. we get to fly over to China and spend time together there and she'll come and do trade shows here and I'll go and do things there with her so really it was just an excuse to see each other more yeah so good and like sister relationships are or sibling relationships in general are just the best and I think yeah it's if you can get that right and work together really well it is it honestly it, there's there is a joy to it and and yeah. so much fun as well so You're, you asked about how how the roles kind of divided themselves it was it was so funny it happened one day we were kind of plodding along and we we had this meeting scheduled between us and we thought we we're gonna you know sit down and really make a robust plan for the next six months and we both kind of came to the table with a completely different agenda. She was talking about, you know, what date the containers are going in, going to leave the port and, you know, the next production schedule and what all the past sales have been and looking at the analytics of all of that. And I was like, what are we doing on social media? What is our email <laughs> strategy going to be? What, what color are we launching next? And we just completely had different ideas about what the next six months, you know, needed from us. Yeah. And from that moment on, it was just really clear, like, you're good at that you run with that and I'm good at this I'm gonna run with that and and since then yeah there's very little overlap really and it's so nice when you can actually recognize and are self-aware enough to go that is my strength Mm. and these other things not so much and I think that's that's what I found in my business working with my husband he is like executioner like he just gets the things done and I'll be like oh this beautiful idea I've got in my head it's gonna be lovely and this is how it's gonna feel and he's like no no no, we just need to get the stuff done so yeah it's nice when it when you can actually find the balance and and actually work in in your zones of genius and trust each other that the other person's got you you know I might come up with an idea but I need her and, and I think having that respect for each other that both of our roles are equally important. I can't do what I do without her. She certainly can't do what she does, yeah. you know, without me. So, it, yeah, it just works really well as a team. So good. And so let's talk about 2020 because I know the year of 2020 was crazy for everyone, but particularly, you know, for you guys with COVID, with your manufacturing in China, what the heck happened? How did that process go for you? What What's the, kind of the latest with everything that you're doing? Yeah, I've been, I'll take a big deep breath right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it really kicked off for us very early in January. We were hearing things from our factory and starting to get a little bit nervous. And that was kind of weeks before everyone else started panicking and we had these flights booked for late February. So Jess had been in Australia and we were going to fly together to, to China. And we kept thinking, Oh, you know, it's, it's just a cold. It's going to be okay. So we're, we're still, we're cool. We're going to go. And then the week before all the flights were axed and we had no, no option, but to cancel those flights. So very, very quickly the factory had to stop producing. And it also that time of year is Chinese new year. So they already shut down for a month. So that's kind of their Christmas equivalent. So everything goes quiet and you have to really plan ahead for that. So you want your containers lined up to be leaving before or after. And it's a, it's a hard thing to not have production for a month anyway. And then you throw in another you know month's worth of complete lockdown that they were in and, and just not really knowing how, how long this was all going to last. So it was pretty hairy from the start. It was, it was quite, quite scary. Um, so that really meant that our last containers in 2019 came in November 
and we weren't able to get any more new stock until May. Wow. That was a very long wait. And, you know, that our, our business is really growing and there's momentum and people are asking us for products and we just couldn't get them any faster. So it was it was quite heartbreaking and disappointing. But, you know, we stay, stayed positive and we were able to just produce as soon as, soon as the factory could open we were we were kind of first on the list and they made our made our lockers and got them over then i suppose since then the real challenge um has been that the supply chain has had issues at every single point so from the factory being slower and they also need to source parts from other factories and those factories are slower and then there's not enough containers going around in China. So it was taking a long time to get a container to fill. And then you get a container and then that has to wait to go on a boat. And the boats, there wasn't enough containers. And so the boats kept getting cancelled and postponed. And then eventually they get on the water and they get to Sydney. And then there's delays at Sydney. And then there's um, all kinds of problems going on in the Sydney ports at the moment. So that was slowing things down. And then our warehouse, of course, they're having to be cautious and have all these different protocols. So that slows them down. And then the couriers the same, you know, they're having to arrive at different times so that couriers don't all arrive at work at the same time. That slows them down. Of course, it's so important, but I feel like every single business is working, you know, with new challenges and they're all having to adapt and they're all having to split their focus on, on this new world that we're living in and how to best kind of cope with that. So all along the way, there's just been challenges. And our um, most recent shipments to the UK, we've got three containers on a boat. The crew just got COVID. The boat is now not going to the UK, it's going to Belgium. And then they're having to send another boat to go and pick up the containers, bring them to the UK. And then our warehouse is like, we just can't take these the week before Christmas. So yeah, it's been, it's been a lot this year for us. Um, I think I think the main thing for me really has been obviously staying positive, but personally that just means focusing on the human aspect of this, that there are people in our warehouse, there are people in our factory, that the couriers are people. They're all facing these challenges just like us and they're all waking up each day to new new rules or new surprises yeah. and they're having to adapt and that's really hard for everybody. And I think when you put that into a really human context, it's okay you know we're just selling lockers and as hard as it is to let people down you know we're not making vaccines here it's okay yeah and that's been and you know I loved I love seeing what you guys put out when when all that happened with your ship going to Belgium (laughs) instead of to the UK and you know obviously you don't want to put off getting people's products to them especially before Christmas and all of that stuff but I love that you guys have maintained this sense of, do you know what, everyone is adapting, everyone is is really processing this and having to be flexible. So then there's this idea of your customers kind of need to be flexible too, right? And which is hard to communicate. Like that's it that's is. tricky to communicate on social media or via email when, you know, there's obviously a lack of a you know, we don't understand the process. And I think it's so cool to hear about the process because even in Australia, I think as well, we we kind of have this thing of, oh, it, it feels like life is mostly normal. Like we can go to cafes, we can go to bars and restaurants and we can we can see our families and it's all good. And, you know, we can almost, we can even go to like gigs and things. So it feels yeah. like life is kind of normal. But then when there's these delays, it reminds you, oh, actually 
life isn't really normal yet. It's really um, a really interesting time. And and for anyone who is listening, who is in e-commerce or is in, in a business where their shipments are, you know, you're relying on shipping and product. You are not alone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. And And you think like for you guys, there's just been so many more question marks around how to even get the product and, you know, how to match the demand. And so for you in COVID, have you had more more demand for product than before? Like where does your business kind of sit now? Yeah, it's been – I mean our demand – the demand is growing faster than we have been able to keep up with this year. As, yeah, as I explained, everything has taken longer. You know, yeah. every container has been – hard work to get here and then we kind of quite early decided to stop doing pre-orders so normally we we find pre-orders is great because the customers want to know that they're able to secure that product we just had no guarantee of when it was going to arrive so for us it just didn't feel right to take people's money and then not know that date and we really weighed it up for Black Friday this year, whether or not to do pre-orders. And we decided in the end to go ahead with it because the demand was so high for it. And now we're kind of regretting it because we've had to had to push back that delivery date. So although we did say, you know, that, that we weren't guaranteeing Christmas delivery, we really did hope that that was going to happen. But of course, as 2020 would go, you know, there's been 10 other things have gone wrong since then. So we're now looking at early January and that's that's just day-to-day life for us you know at the moment whatever can go wrong probably will and and that's just how it is and so yeah it's kind of not really worth getting upset about it's just a matter of you know waking up to seeing what what the new challenge is today and how we're going to adapt to that as fast as we can how do we communicate that as best we can and keep everybody in the loop and yeah but but it's been such a pleasure to see that through COVID our products are relevant you know there's something that helps people to work from home you know maybe you're working from home with kids and you need to lock your work stuff away from them or <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you need to lock your kid no, away <laughs> that too you need to lock your kid in the locker <laughs> yeah keep them quiet you know yes. put the ipad in there and just just yeah. lock the kid out that's right um yeah and people are obviously spending a lot more time at home looking around at their living room like how can they rearrange it and and redesigning and painting their living room or whatever so yeah, for us, our products really have a relevance this year, which is is such a, a fluke, I suppose. You know, there's a lot of businesses whose whose products don't really mean much if you're in lockdown or like or your offering just isn't relevant. So I feel like we got very lucky and being an online business, you know, it's been hard for a lot of our stockists and a lot of them have had to pivot really quickly to selling online or doing pickups. And yeah, it's just it's just been a year of adapting and, and deep breaths. Totally. And you've done such a brilliant job. And also from the external, like, and I know that Instagram isn't real life a lot of the time, but from the external, it just looked like it kind of seemed like business as usual in a sense. Like everything yeah. still had this beautiful quality that you guys have in all of your, the way you present your products and and your tone and everything still felt really like we're good, like, it still felt considered and calm and and I think that's because we are good you yeah. know it is okay yeah it's at, like I said at the end of the day we we sell a product that doesn't save lives and you know be very different working in the health industry or something like that and and I think keeping that perspective that 
that it, it's okay. We're doing our best and everybody is doing our best and we can't expect more from anybody. Yeah. And yes, it's hard, you know, when, when customers don't necessarily see it that way, but that's okay. They're upset too, you know, yeah. that we're all having a bad day yeah. <laughs> every day and, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's so good. So let's get into some practical kind of advice because I love your thoughts on how you actually creatively market your business because you do such a beautiful job. What do you, when it comes to Instagram, like is Instagram your main platform that you use? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. What do you think has been the most beneficial thing you've done on Instagram to build your business and to make more sales? When we started the business, the way that we launched was through a trade show. So the aim was that we needed to get enough sales behind us to justify buying a container full of products. You know, we didn't have a business at that point. We had had an idea basically. And so being able to get our products bought by some of the best stores across Australia, like small independent shops, meant that they then shared them, shared our products on social media. So it's really for us, not only was it a sales tactic, you know, we needed those sales, but we also needed that marketing. And that was, so I'd say cross-promotion is really what kicked us off from the beginning was that we had all these cool stores sharing our photos, which then I would say the most important thing that we could have done was to take good photos of our products. Yeah. Particularly because our products are a bit weird. Like people don't think of a locker for their home. They don't necessarily know what to do with it. So behind, you know, in the back of my mind, every time we do a shoot, it's like, how do I explain what our product is to a customer that's just seeing it for the first time? If they're scrolling through a feed on Instagram and they see a locker, well, what do you do with it? What do you put in? Where would you use it? And what functions does it have? All those kind of questions need answering. So investing in really good photography and then getting people to share it. I love it. And do you do the photography yourself or how how does that kind of work? So we work with a couple of different photographers. Um, I love coming up with the kind of concepts of the photo shoots. It, it's got harder and harder because we've got more and more products and they're getting bigger. So yeah, physically, it's it's quite a full-on challenge to photograph that many products and kind of create looks and spaces when we've got such a variety of colours and our products can be used in so many different spaces. So, you know, we want to show bedrooms, but we also want to show corporate offices and, you know, how do you kind of whip all that up with these giant products? And, yeah, so that that's probably the part of my job that I love the most is is problem-solving and planning and designing what, what the photos are going to look and feel like. So cool. And with your with your design for Instagram, so your branding is so solid and, you know, anytime you see any of your colours, you know it's one of your posts and that's what I'm always telling people. Get clear on your colours, get clear on your branding so that people recognise and remember you. But how did you develop the brand? Did you do that yourself? How Like do you do all your design yourself or do you have someone else that does that for you? So one of the first things in that year when I was off with baby Ellis was hiring a graphic designer to come up with a logo and the palette was very much driven by the colors of the lockers, obviously. Um, So once we'd kind of nailed a few basic things, then I kind of rolled with it from there. And now we have a graphic designer who works for us freelance, um, but every week. Yeah. So kind of between my fairly average Photoshop skills and her amazing graphic design skills. 
we kind of kind of work together to to keep that brand going and I think a, a lot of it you know there's the visual but there's also the tone that is really important and those two things come hand in hand you know ours is quite playful and fun and colorful um I'd say it's you know, we're a female-run business and that that sort of reflects through it as well. And there's all these sort of subtle cues that you're giving through your branding that you, like you say, it's about consistency and sticking sticking with a particular um, kind of guideline for, for how it should feel and sound. I'd say it's very easy as well to get distracted. You know, you see someone do something cute and you're like, oh, I might try that and being pulled off in different directions. So a big, a big kind of lesson, I suppose, for me personally is, is to keep it focused. Totally. Yes. And so do you think because you've got these components of the product itself being really fun and kind of like well-designed and and beautiful, and then you've also got the beautiful imagery, the really solid branding. Do you think that all those components are kind of like the perfect cocktail for this, like for how it's taken off? Or what do you think has been the big thing that has really made Mustard Made really stick? That's really kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> no, you have all of these things working together and it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I'd say having that sort of good momentum behind us from the start from those stockists, which was very much intentional. You know, I always knew that we needed we needed our products to be in stores so that people could touch and feel and get to know them because it's hard to buy a piece of furniture if you haven't ever seen it. And now off the back of that and, you know, our our products kind of popping up in influencers' feeds, you know, things that we we, ha- we don't even know about happening and that kind of momentum that builds when people think that you've got something a bit cool. Yeah. Um, that's That's been so exciting. Like it, it literally, you know, on Instagram people say, I'm blown away all the time or they say, oh, it made my day. It literally blows us away. It literally makes our day, you know. So that momentum that has kind of built up behind it and that people kind of spot our products and they know it's a mustard product it really, um, it's really fun and exciting to kind of be be on that ride um, as a business. So then what do you think are the common mistakes or what are some of the mistakes that you think you made when starting an online store? Like, you know, you get your Shopify, you get your kind of imagery. What do you think are the big mistakes that people make or that could be avoided? For us, the real challenge is that our products are big and heavy and breakable. So my advice would be to to just don't don't gloss over the shipping part of it. It's not the fun bit, it's not the sexy bit, but if you can't get your products to your customers safely or fast or cost efficiently, you don't really have a business. So a big part of that kind of first year of research was what couriers would would be able to ship them what are the freight profiles of the different couriers you know some focus on certain areas some focus on certain size products or you know if they need to go on a pallet who can do that these things are not fun you know I didn't enjoy this process but it was so crucial to be able to get our products out to a wide audience to have a scalable business you know we could have designed the lockers to be not flat packed and we could have opened a shop for example and had a shop in Newcastle and that would have been nice for our Newcastle customers but we wouldn't have been able to scale the way that we have or to sell across the world or to ship them to America if we wanted to so really kind of thinking through the logistics and something I'm always saying to Jess is right let's work backwards so you like you want your customer to have the product at the end what are all the steps it's going to take and what are all the problems that you might face from getting it from A to B 
and you know that kind of work backwards ethos kind of works in lots of different ways but particularly when it comes to logistics like you really have to get every step right and one of the biggest problems that we had at the start was that we were really keen to reduce the amount of packaging that we had because the environment matters and we didn't want to be contributing unnecessarily to you know to landfill basically so we really pushed our our factory to use the minimum amount of packaging great you know great we use less packaging and then all our container our first container arrives in sydney and we start sending it out to all our customers and within the next two weeks we're just getting email after email about damaged lockers and you know getting photos where the couriers have just bashed it up like like did they jump on it how did that how did that happen and why and it just they just kept rolling in and then when we we kind of put put some new packaging in and we thought we'd solved a few problems and then when we launched in the UK we got our first container and we thought great you know we've really improved the packaging they went out and the same thing happened again because the UK couriers were even worse so so it was this really huge learning curve for us that basically resulted in Jess and her boyfriend and my brother and his wife and all our friends driving across the country, fixing lockers, sending out new parts, like hand delivering, picking up the old ones, like anything that we could do to get that first round of customers happy. We did it. We we literally drove up and down the country for, for our customers. And then we very quickly threw Jess on a plane, sent her over to China, and she was at the factory throwing lockers off forklifts and drop testing them in different ways and visiting different packaging factories. So I guess the lesson is to not overlook the things that you think are boring. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs are are creative and they like the shiny stuff. They like the outside glossy bits. But if you haven't got things like that sorted, you're going to face problems and yeah, it's really important to get the basics right, like how to get your products to your customers safely. That is so, so true. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, the the boring stuff, it goes in the like, oh, you know, future me will sort that out. And like, there's like accounting stuff too, you know, or contracts, you know, ah, that stuff is so not my cup of tea. But if you don't get it right, you can really face problems later on. So yeah, whether it's whether it's you or finding somebody that's better than you, You've got to got to face those things. Yeah, absolutely. On. So what is next for you and Mustard Made? What what does 2021 look like for you guys? 2021 probably looks a lot like how 2020 should have been. <laughs> so we have um, a couple of new products in the works, a new colour coming out that we're really excited about. Um, and then we had planned for the business to launch in America that very quickly got shelved this year. Um, so we hope that, that that might come to fruition next year. And um, we, we do already send things across from the UK to America, but we'd like to have, you know, an actual presence on the ground. And, and we know that Americans love lockers. It, it's going to be exciting when we do that. Wow, that's so, so cool. I can't believe you, you've got Australia, UK, America coming what the heck? That's incredible. But we're always saying we just need a third sister. You need a third sister. <laughs> you can you can borrow one of mine. Yeah. Okay. Deal. <laughs> deal. Send, send her over to the states, and I she will. can launch the business first. <laughs> totally. That would be great, Millie. I think it'll be you. <laughs> so a lot of our community are small business owners. They're solo entrepreneurs, or maybe they're they've got a side hustle and they're wanting to go full time in their business. What is the biggest piece of advice you would give to someone who's starting out? 
I think for me, one of the reasons why I really enjoyed mustard is because I got to design it to give myself the job that I wanted. You know, what, running your own business is is really hard. It's tiring. It's lonely. It's constantly challenging. And I think you have to take the good bits and grab them by the balls and run with it because otherwise you just end up working your ass off. Um, so for me personally, that means having other people, like having a bookkeeper. I don't want to do the book, so I got a bookkeeper. Or, you know, the things that I didn't want to be doing day to day, I was able to design my job around the things that I was actually really good at and enjoy. And that makes the struggle of running a business day to day worth it. You know, I, I enjoy my job. I enjoy the people that I work with. I get to choose those people. I get to choose, you know, what my day to day looks like. So it's, yeah, maybe a bit of an unusual tip, but like really think through what your business is and what it's going to demand of you is that actually what you're asking for? Is that really what you want? You know, if you're selling, if you're great with people and you start an online business, maybe you're going to feel a bit lonely if you're always stuck behind a computer. You know, think it, think it through. Really think about what, what you actually enjoy, what your skills are, what your strengths are, and what you want to be doing day to day, and then recreate, you know, create your business around that. That is so, so good. So design your role for yep. you. I think that is, yep, that's amazing. Okay, so I've got really exciting news. We are doing a really fun giveaway. Now, all you have to do is subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and send me a screenshot of your review to my Instagram at lalasocialclub.co. And if you do that, you go immediately in the draw to win a mustard made lowdown locker. And I'm so excited because these lockers are beautiful and you will absolutely love them. So if you work from home, if you want to jazz up your office or whatever it is, or if you want to, you know, lock your kid. <laughs> No, you don't want to lock your kid in there. But whatever it is, this lowdown locker is valued at $369 and the beautiful chicks at Mustard Made are gifting one to one lucky, beautiful subscriber. So all you need to do is subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and send me a screenshot on Instagram and you will go in the draw to win. Anything you want to add, Becca? And you get to choose which color you like best. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. And the sage color. Oh, <laughs> it's my favorite. You guys should do one in that in a terracotta color, and then I will be like, yeah. it's it's on our radar, <gasps> is it? Okay, I would one hundred percent. Yeah, I would buy it and love it for the rest of time. All right, so that's all you have to do to go into the draw to win one of the glorious mustard made lockers. So make sure you do that. I can't wait to see your funny reviews. Please make them nice. <laughs> you didn't say that, but they have to be nice. They reviews. have to be nice reviews. Yeah. Don't send me a screenshot saying, Hey, this show stinks. <laughs> that would suck. I wouldn't, you wouldn't win, you know, um, actually that'd be pretty funny if that person won. Anyway, leave us a nice review, subscribe, send me a screenshot and we will announce the winner very, very soon. So thank you so much, Becca. You are so wonderful. And shout out to Jess in the UK. I wish you could have joined us. Um, but you guys are doing such a beautiful job. And anyone who wants to follow you, where can they find you? Where can they check out your lockers? So Mustard Made on Instagram and mustardmade.com is our website. And then we also have a whole load of stockists across the UK, Europe and Australia. So you can go and visit them to touch and feel our lockers there. We'll have to get you back on the show and 
once we can share an update on COVID and how your business has just soared through all of this. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great chatting with you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'll chat to you very soon. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. I love that conversation with Becca so much and I love what she said about from the get-go, from the beginning in your business, designing your role to, to play to your strengths. I think that is such good advice and something we need to always be reminding ourselves of. Now, as always, if you're looking for any of the links we mentioned today, head on over to our show notes. Everything is in there, including more details about that giveaway. So head to our show notes and you'll find everything you need there. Now, if you want to continue the conversation, then head on over to our Facebook group. Just search My Business Playbook and you'll find us and I'll be in there being like, hello, welcome, welcome. I'm doing things with my hands, but you can't see it, but I'm I'm welcoming you with gusto. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. Now, music from this episode is by the wonderful Jake Scott. You can listen to his music on Spotify and Apple Music. As always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of the community of My Business Playbook. I'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. Go get them.